Well, this morning, I want to, to bring a word to you. I'm really excited about this word. I feel like as I sat down to write this message that God just began to download this message into my spirit, and uh, I just was able to write and write, and, and I'm really excited to get to bring this word to you this morning. But before I do that, I want to, to tell you about an observation that I've made. And in my super long 24 years on this earth, I've seen so much. I have so much wisdom to give after 24 years. And so I have this observation that I've made, at least about my life. And I don't know if this is true for everybody. And so this is why I'm put by presenting it to you. And I need you to help me. To Maybe you guys are like, maybe you guys are all different. I don't know. But when you hear a story... Or maybe you watch a movie, or you're reading a book. Do you always, I do this every time, I always want to be the hero in this story. And I think, and I, think I noticed this when I, when I was a young boy. The first time I think I really noticed this was when I watched The Lion King for the first time, right? One of the greatest Disney movies of all time. I would dare say the greatest Disney movie of all time is The Lion King. And, and I watched The Lion King for the very first time. And I was like, I want to be Simba. Like, nobody's like, I want to be one of the hyenas. Like, no, if you ever have wanted to be one of the hyenas, I don't, I have, I have no idea what that's like. Has anybody ever wanted to be a hyena? You're like, yes, I want to be one of the evil hyenas that has a creepy laugh and you don't even know his name. Nobody. Okay. Maybe a few people wanted to be Scar because he looked cool and, and he has all the power for a second. But eventually the hero steps into the story, right? And Simba takes him down and we all know the end of the story. The hero comes out, the victor. And that's how I always want to live my life. That's how I always want to be. But today I want to challenge that concept for a second. Because I'm going to read a story from the Old Testament. I'm going to read a story from Joshua. And what's interesting about the book of Joshua is every time I read it, I want to see myself as Joshua. Because Joshua was a leader. Joshua was, was a warrior. He was the captain of the army. He was conquering cities. He was leading people into everything that God had for their lives. But here's the thing about Joshua is Joshua was not a picture of me and of you. Joshua was actually a picture of who Jesus Christ would be. That Jesus Christ is the victor. That Jesus Christ is the hero of the story. That Jesus Christ, he's the one who comes in and conquers the enemy. Jesus Christ is the one who comes in and brings us into everything he's created us to be. And so today, as I read this story, what I want you to do is, is don't picture yourself as Joshua. But instead, what I want you to do is I want you to picture yourself as a rock. Just a rock in the middle of the Jordan River. And that'll make sense in just a second as we read the story. And I want to tell you guys, I'm going to set you guys up for success a little bit this morning. If you're going to take notes this morning, and I encourage you to do so, I actually purposefully left or didn't put a bulletin, a pamphlet in your bulletin this morning so that you would have to take notes. And I did that on purpose. So, so get out a pad of paper, get out your phone, get out your iPad, whatever you got and take notes. And I have three simple points this morning, just three that all come from this passage in Joshua chapter four. 
But if you put them together, what you're, you'll realize, I'm going to help you guys out. If you put these points together, it's actually going to make one statement. It's going to be like a, a big sentence that we can read. And, and so as I give the points, make sure you write them down so that you can, you can have this statement. And so let's, let's jump right in. I got lots of scripture today because I figured if I'm not a super good preacher, I'll just read the word of God to you guys and you can't go wrong with just the word of God. And so we got lots of scripture in this message today. Let's jump right into it. In Joshua chapter four, I'm going to start in verse one, read to verse nine, and then we're going to skip down to verse 19 and finish out the chapter. So it's kind of a lengthy passage of scripture, but it's a really good one this morning. It says this. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one for each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones. There it is. That's you. You're one of those stones. Take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, And carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up one stone. There it is. You're one of those stones. On his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, and they put them down. And Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan, at the spot where the priest had carried the Ark of the Covenant, had stood, and, th- and they are there to this day. Now watch this. This is the really important part. This is the end of the, the chapter, starting in verse 19. It says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and camped at Gilgal, on the eastern border of Jericho. Now watch this. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan, and he said to the Israelites, now this is it, this is, this is where we're going to focus in today. In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? You tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. So when he dried it up before us until we crossed over. He did this. Now check this out. I love this. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. And that's where we're going to focus in this morning is on that last part of the scripture. And so my first point 
My first point to you guys today is this, that God created you uniquely. You are unique. God created you uniquely. And I know this because if we read at the beginning of this story, the Lord tells Joshua to go and take 12 stones and he tells him to take these stones out of the middle of the river from where the ark of the Lord was standing. And, and I know a lot about stones because my dad is a stonemason and a brick mason and I've been around rocks and bricks my whole life. And, and I know that God has specifically created you uniquely. And I think this is something that, that we miss a lot as we read this passage of scripture because we, we, we miss a little bit about stones. And recently I was preaching and ignited to the teenagers and we were talking about rocks and stones. And we actually, I did a whole message comparing stones and bricks. And, and I know, I know a lot about that because, because my house is made, my parents' house is made of stones and bricks and we carried every single one of them. And, and here, here's the difference. I have a few differences between stones and bricks this morning. That stones are created and shaped by God over time. So I want you to think about your life. And every, every breath that you take, everything that happens, every circumstance, every situation, it is God over time molding and shaping your life so that it looks exactly the way that he has created and designed you to live your life. But bricks are made in an instant by humans. God never made a brick. Humans make bricks. And we actually see the first time that humans make bricks in Genesis when they go to build the Tower of Babel. And God actually comes down and says, we need to stop this. Because see, the bricks, they're all exactly the same. And they all fit into a certain mold. When you pour bricks, there's a mold. And they just pour the, the, the mixture into the mold and then it forms and then they pull the mold away. And see, culture and this world will try to fit you into a mold. And so you need to look and sound and act and talk and affirm all of these things. And be and look and sound exactly like this and be like this. But God did not create you to be that way. He created you to be these stones that were in the river, that were in the Jordan. And, and the, the, what I love about these stones is that they were in the water, and that water in the Bible is a constant representation of the Holy Spirit. They, the water of the Holy Spirit is shaping you and molding you and it's taking off those rough edges that are in your life. And God is constantly shaping us to be exactly who he has created us to be. See, stones are all different. I've never seen two stones that are exactly the same. I've seen cultured stone which is fake stone that's man-made to try to look like real stone. Those can be the same. But a real stone that God has created under pressure and, and by the washing of his water over time, those are all different. Every single one of them is different. I believe that God has created every single one of us uniquely, but on purpose in his image to show the world who our God is. Amen? You know, there's another difference between stones and bricks. Because bricks are all the same, it's easy to build something with bricks. And I know this 
because there was one day I was, I worked for my dad for uh, multiple years, especially when I was in high school over the summer. And, and there was one, one day on a job site, I had never laid brick before in my life. I've watched him do it a lot. And he's like, all right, you guys are going to lay brick today. I never laid a single brick in my life. But by the end of the day, I had laid three, there was like these doors and we had to lay brick underneath all the doors and then put a limestone sill on them. And I had laid three, three doors, all those courses of brick underneath it. And it looked good because bricks are easy to work with. They're all the same. You don't have to try to fit the little edges together and all the pieces together. They're easy. They're squares. They fit together super easy and they're all the same. But see stones, stones are all different. And so to make something beautiful out of a pile of stones, it takes a master craftsman. And see, God is our master craftsman. And when he gets a pile of stones, when he gets his church together filled with people who are all different, who are all created in his image on purpose, with a purpose, God, our master craftsman, can create something absolutely beautiful to show the world that this is what I am like. I see God has created us uniquely and he is the master craftsman that builds something beautiful with us. See these stones that the Israelites had pulled from the river had been molded and shaped by that river for years. Now check this out. And when the right moment in history came, they became a sign to everyone who saw them of God's marvelous works. And maybe you feel like, man, my life has just been under pressure. And I feel like I, I, I can't get out of this rushing river. And I feel all of this pressure. And I lost my job and my, my relationships over here. And my friends are leaving. And, or my finances are really, really tight. Or there's not enough of them. And God has been molding and shaping you and putting you under pressure. So that when the moment in history is right, you can stand up and say, I am a testimony of God's marvelous works. He has redeemed me by Jesus. Jesus Christ on a cross, no longer in his eyes am I a sinner, but I am washed by the blood of Jesus, and now I can stand up and declare that I am righteous in God's sight, not because of anything that I've ever done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. Come on, somebody, that's a good word right there. And so God has created each and every one of us to be unique. We are not to blend in like bricks. You know, if you ever looked at a brick wall and you tried to point one single brick out, I mean, there's a huge brick wall that they just fixed over here in this parking lot. If you were like that brick right there and you were standing way off in the parking lot, nobody would know what brick you were talking about. They're all exactly the same. But if you see a stone wall or a stone fence, you can begin to describe to somebody, see that stone the one with kind of the bluish hue. It's different. It's got that pointed edge. It's got that round edge on the bottom. You can see stones stand out. But bricks blend in. We are not to blend in like bricks, being conformed to the patterns of this world. Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? That we are not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we are not to blend in. We are to be in church, to stand on the truth of God's word, 
You do not need it to compare your life, your family, your business, your ministry to anybody else's because the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. That's what Pastor Craig Rochelle says. I didn't come up with that. I stole that from him. But that's what he says. And that last little part, I added the rest of it. But I'm going to read that to you guys again, that you are to be in church to stand on the truth of God's word. You do not need to compare your life, your family, your business, your ministry to anybody else's. Because the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Your life is unique and on purpose. But see, we live in a generation that's all about comparing That's all about comparing, all about looking at what somebody else has done. And I see this all the time, especially being in youth ministry. And so I wanted just to remind you that God has created you uniquely this morning. And here's point number two. If you're taking notes, write this down. Point number two, God has created you uniquely to stand out. We are supposed to stand out. We're not supposed to blend in, like I just said. See, these stones were actually placed in a specific place so that they would stand out. It says that right there in uh, Joshua chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. It says, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. Check this out. From right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down where? At the place where you stand tonight. See, God has not only created you uniquely, but I believe that God has placed you In this specific moment in the history of the world, in your specific city, in your specific family, in your specific job, God has placed you there to stand out, to let the world know that there is a God in heaven, right? Why were those stones placed there? Why did Joshua place them at Gilgal? It wasn't just so that they could be a pretty statue or that there could be a pillar there. There was a purpose behind the place. The purpose behind the place was to point people to the ultimate rock. The purpose of the place was to point people to the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. There is a purpose in the place that God has for you right now. And if we, if we begin to allow God to shape us and to mold us and to understand that God has created me uniquely, but not just to be unique, he has created me uniquely to stand out, to be in this moment, in this time, in human history, to let the world know that there is a God in heaven. That's why we are to stand out. You know, when Joshua placed those stones, God didn't tell him, if people see these stones, you should tell them about this. But God said, when your children ask you about these stones and ask you, what do they mean? And my question to you is, does your life stand out in contrast so much to the world that it's never a question of if people will ask me about my faith. It's never a question about if my kids will ask me why I do this. It's not a question about if my coworkers will notice that I'm different. It's not a question about if, but it's a question about when. And my, my question is, is your life so different? And do you stand out to the point that you are confident that it will be a when and not an if. That there will be a moment 
when people notice that my life is different. And I do not live as the rest of the world lives. You know, that was, was point number two. Point number one is that God has created you uniquely. Point number two is it's to stand out. And the third point this morning, this is, this is it. This is the most important point of this message. And if, if, if you can do the first two points, see, here's why this one's going to be the most important. I'm going to read it to you in a second. But you can be unique and you can stand out for all of the wrong reasons. Right? You can be unique and stand out in this culture for all of the wrong reasons. For selfish reasons, for money, for fame, for, for that amount of followers on Instagram or on TikTok to get that many likes, comments, shares. Like you can, you can be unique and stand out for all of the wrong reasons. You can be unique, you can try to be unique and to stand out so you can get someone's attention, so you can get your boss's attention, maybe it's a parent or a spouse's attention, so you can get that that cute girl's attention, that cute guy's attention. You can be unique and stand out for all of the wrong reasons. But there is one reason right here in this text, we read it in Joshua chapter 4, that God has created us uniquely to stand out and it is this, to point people to the rock of our salvation. That is it. God has created you uniquely to stand out, to point people to the rock of our salvation. That is the reason that we can see ourselves in these stones in this passage of scripture. Because I am created unique, yes, to stand out, to be in a specific place, but not just so that I can stand out, so that I can look different, so that I can be different. And so that ultimately I can point people to who Jesus is. It says that right there at the end in Joshua 4, starting in verse 21. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. That's it. That's the reason that we are created uniquely and to stand out. So that the rest of the world might know that the hand of my God is powerful. That the hand of my God has saved me. When was the last time that you shared with somebody what God has done in your life? Parents, when was the last time that you shared with your teenagers teenagers or with your young kids? Man, God has saved my life. When was the last time you shared your salvation story with somebody and told somebody of the marvelous works that God has done in your life? Because that is why we were created uniquely and to stand out. You know, Jesus is the ultimate rock. It's not Dwayne Johnson. It's Jesus Christ. All the young people laughed. All the old people were like, what? What is he talking? Who's Dwayne Johnson? Look it up. You'll figure it out. And I know that. I know that it's Jesus Christ. Because it was prophesied about him. 
And I'm going to, in just a sec, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk us through a prophecy in the Old Testament. We're going to go to Psalms 18, and we're going to look at this prophecy that a psalmist wrote. We don't know who wrote it, but it was probably wrote somewhere between 700 and 1,500 years before Jesus showed up on this earth. And we're going to look at this prophecy, and then Jesus actually quoted this prophecy about himself while he was here on this earth. But that wasn't the only time it was quoted. Peter actually then requotes this prophecy later after Jesus was, was crucified and buried and rose from the grave. And, and we see at that moment the, the fullness of this prophecy fulfilled. And this is all, this prophecy is all about Jesus as the ultimate rock. See, we're supposed to be the stones that they take out of the Jordan, but we are not the ultimate rock. We are not the hero of this story. We are simply here to point people to the real hero. We are simply here to point people to the rock of our salvation. In Psalms 118, it says this, I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. Come on, how many of you guys, that's your testimony today. We were singing that song, Gratitude, and I was thinking about this verse. That God, I'm going to give you thanks because you are my salvation. I just lost my spot. I'll find it again. All right, here it is. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. See, that psalmist was prophesying about Jesus to come. And in Matthew 21, starting in verse 42, Jesus quotes this prophecy about himself when he's talking to the Pharisees. And it says this, Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected, see, he's quoting that verse, has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given it to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. See, Jesus was saying, I am that chief cornerstone. And if you cannot accept the message of Jesus, if you hear the gospel, if you hear the good news that Jesus came, was born and died in flesh, came to this earth, was the perfect sacrifice so that you and I would never have to face the wrath of God. He died and was buried, but three days later came walking out of the grave. If you hear that message and you reject it, then that stone will crush you. Because when you stand before God, when you stand before God on judgment day and he asks you, what did you do with my son? You heard the gospel and you say, well, I rejected it. You will pronounce judgment on yourself that I have rejected the rock of salvation. And so we are to be here to point people to make sure that as few people as possible, when they stand before God on that judgment day, as few people as possible will pronounce their own judgment on themselves and say, I rejected Jesus. But more and more people will be able to stand before God and say, I believed upon Jesus and he is the Lord and the Savior of my life. And I lived for him all the days of my life. See, this prophecy didn't just end there in Matthew 21, though. Peter quoted this in Acts 4. 
And I love that Peter quotes this verse because when Peter quotes it, this is after the resurrection. This is in what, what people call the church age, which I believe we are still living in the church age, that we are living after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we are the church. We are God's representatives here on this earth, right? We are God's ambassadors. That's what Paul said. We are God's ambassadors to the world. And so Peter writes this in, in this church age. This is for us. He says this to the Sanhedrin. He's on trial in a, in a court of law, and he says this, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Now watch this. I love how Peter concludes this though. He says this, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. See, Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He is the ultimate rock for us today. Jesus is the ultimate rock. He is the one who bled and died for me, who took my pain and my shame and forgave every mistake I've ever made. He is the one who saved my soul. So as long as I have breath, I will live my life uniquely to stand out and to point people to the rock of my salvation. That is my declaration this morning. That as long as I have breath, I will point people to the rock of my salvation. So what can we do? Right, because this is awesome and this is fun and, and I can get up here and I, can, and I can yell about how Jesus is the rock of our salvation and I can read this scripture. But if nothing happens because of it, if we don't go out into the world and actually become the ambassadors for Christ, we just sit in the church and talk about how we're God's ambassadors. But then we get into the world and our life looks exactly like theirs. Then this message was pretty much useless. So what can we do? How can we become these ambassadors who are unique, who stand out and point people to Jesus. Well, today I just have a few things that I want to talk about really quickly. The first one is that we can live our lives to tell of Jesus, right? This was the whole message, that I can live my life so it stands out, so it looks different. But how many of you guys were here last week on the 4th of July weekend and you heard Pastor Tim preach this incredible message about how the hope for America was in the next generation. How many of you guys remember that message? And he talked about we need to pour into the next generation because they are the hope not only for America, they're the hope for the church, they're the hope for the world, they're the hope for the, the sinners. They are, if we don't pour into the next generation, then we will, will never be like Joshua who God said, set up these stones. Why? So the next generation will hear of what God has done. And so I want to challenge you today. What are you doing to pour into the next generation? Because that's, that's the reason those stones were there. The reason that God said, pull these stones out of the river and set them up as a memorial. It was to reach the next generation. It was so when their children's children showed up and saw those stones, they would know that God did a marvelous work for for the people of God. And so my question is, what are you doing to pour into the next generation? 
You know, here at Cornerstone, we have some incredible, incredible ministries. We just had our first youth summer camp in three years. How many of you guys were a part of our incredible youth summer camp? We had, I think it was like 180 some kids who showed up in three days and heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Come on, that's awesome. That's us pouring into the next generation. But it should not be a once a summer event that we pour into the next generation. It should be a lifestyle of pouring into the next generation. So I, I want to challenge you, and maybe this sounds a little bit like a commercial for our ministries here at Cornerstone, and I really don't care because I believe in them. <clears throat> Would you ever consider serving in Kids on the Rock in our incredible children's ministry, serving with Becky Monty, our incredible children's pastor. And I know that she's incredible because I started in her ministry when I was four years old. And I grew up through her entire ministry, through, through the rainforest room and the train room and into kids on the rock. And her ministry is absolutely amazing. Come on, somebody. Y'all got to give it up for, for Becky Monty. Or what about this? How many of you guys seen that announcement and, and that story of, of one of my, my favorite students in Ignited? I don't know if I'm supposed to have favorites, but she's one of my favorites. Her name is Kylie. She's sitting right here. She shared her story with you guys on that screen about how the bus ministry radically changed her life four years ago. She had no idea who God was. Somebody just invited her to a thing called Ignited. She showed up at a bus stop on a Wednesday night. It brought her to church. And now, how many of you guys manage? It almost brought tears to my eyes when she, on that video, she says, and now I am born again, and I am living my life for Jesus. <laughs> Guys, in September, in less than two months, we are relaunching our bus ministry, going into four different locations, sending buses out to pick up teenagers, to bring them to the house of God, to pick up teenagers, to hear more stories just like Kylie's, so that we can have an ignited center full of teenagers who can stand before their friends at their school and their family and say, I have been born again. I choose today to live my life for Jesus Christ. And you know what? We can't do that. I can't do that by myself. I need your help. I made that appeal to you in church news. I'm going to make it again that I need your help. Would you consider to be a part of this bus ministry as we send people out? We need bus drivers and bus captains and stop captains. And yeah, maybe, maybe you're like, oh my goodness, the youth pastor is just giving a commercial to be a part of his ministry. Maybe. But it's because I believe wholeheartedly in what this, this scripture t says. That we are here to stand out, to point people, and specifically the next generation, to all that God has done. To all that God has done. And so my question to you is what are you doing to pour into the next generation? I'm going to wrap this message up with this this morning. That my message today was not some new revelation or some brand new teaching that you've never heard before. This was really the simple truth of the Bible. That God has created us to be just like this. But see, as Christians, God has not created us uniquely to stand out and point people to Jesus just on Sunday morning. But it is on Monday at work, on Wednesday, with the screaming kids in the backseat of your car. It's on Thursday when that phone call comes in that you've been dreading. 
It's on Friday night when the rest of your friends are out just having fun and, and partying and, and living their life solely for themselves. It's on Saturday doing whatever in the world it is that you do on Saturdays. This is not just for a few hours on Sunday. This is every breath that I take, God. I realize that you created me uniquely to stand out and to point people to the rock of my salvation. So I'm going to ask you guys to do something. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for a second and close your eyes. I don't think I've ever done this in the, in the main sanctuary. I do this all the time with our teenagers, though. And I'm going to ask you guys... One last question. And if you feel like you need to respond to that question, I just want you to raise your hand and I'm just going to begin to pray for you this morning because I believe that power, there's power in prayer. Is there one of these areas in your life that you feel like, God, I need your help to live that out? Because like I said, this isn't, some new teaching or a brand new revelation. This is really the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of Jesus. But sometimes life gets so busy and so hectic and we realize that, man, my life has not looked unique. My life has not stood out. I have not been looking for people to point to Jesus. I haven't been pouring into the next generation. And if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Aaron, I want to, would you, would you pray for me so that God would begin to give me strength and give me wisdom and give me knowledge so that I could begin to live this out, not just know it in my head or believe it in my heart, but actually walk it out, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and for the rest of my days. And if that's you and you're here this morning and you, and you want that, you want that prayer, would you raise your hand right now and say, Jesus, I want that. Pastor Aaron, I want you to pray for me so that I can begin to live this out, not just know about it, but actually walk it out and live it out. Come on, there's hands all over this place, all over this sanctuary. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person in this room and especially for those who raised their hands, who took a step of faith and said, God, I haven't been doing this like I know you've called me to do but from this moment forward God I am I'm asking for your help to live like this to understand that I am unique that I was created to stand out and it's all to point people to Jesus Lord, I pray that you would begin to pour in strength, that you begin to pour in wisdom. God, that you would even begin to download into people's spirits, their next steps, things that they need to do, people that they can pour into, uh, ministries that they can be a part of, relationships that they need to, to strengthen or that they need to break off. Lord, I pray that you would right now just begin to, to download and to encourage and to pour out an anointing of your Holy Spirit, that we would be a church that's full of people who are standing out because we know you created us uniquely and that we are a church who is constantly pouring into the next generation that we are a church who is constantly saying that my God has done marvelous things and Lord I pray this in Jesus precious and mighty name and everybody said amen and amen all right I got one more question I told you I only had one more but I lied I had two I'm sorry Lord forgive me could you guys all bow your heads and close your eyes one more time 
And if you're here this morning and you've heard me preach and you've watched us sing these songs and you heard Pastor Luke stand up here and talk about how that thief on the cross just gave Jesus his heart. And you're here this morning and you realize that you've never actually done that. Maybe you were like the rich young ruler he talked about who tried to earn his way. He said, God, I can do all of these things for you. But you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus or you've never really understood that Jesus is the rock of your salvation. Maybe you're here and you've never even heard that gospel message that I talked about that Jesus died on a cross. He became the sacrifice that you and I could never be. Why? Because in the book of Romans it says that all have sinned and fallen short. We've all messed up and that separates us from the glory of God. But Jesus came in and he died on a cross. He became a sacrifice for us because Romans also says that the wages of sin is death, that every single one of us deserved death. And yet Jesus became death. He died on the cross for us. But the most amazing part of the gospel story is not that Jesus walked this earth. It's not that he lived a perfect sinless life. It's not that he died on the cross or was buried in a tomb. The greatest, most historical event in the history of the world. The best part of this story is that three days later, that stone was rolled away and Jesus came walking out and he did it so that you and I could spend eternity with him. And maybe you're here and you've never even heard that before, or maybe you've heard it a thousand times, but you've never done what that thief on the cross did and surrendered your life to Jesus, gave him your whole heart. And if you're here this morning and you want to make that declaration, you want to make that confession, you want to be like that thief on the cross and say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my whole heart. Would you just slip up your hand in this place right now and let me know? Is there anybody in this place? Awesome. Well, I don't see, I do see a hand back there. Thank you, ushers, for pointing that out to me. All right, as they begin to sing this song, would you come up front and we'll meet me down right here and I'll pray with you. And uh, worship team, you guys can just come on up and sing and Come on, church, let's all stand up and let's worship our Savior and be grateful to Him for all that He has done. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that